Hello and welcome to the March instalment of The Shameless Book Club. This month we read Olivia Blake's romance novel Alone With You in the Ether. The book follows our two main characters, Reagan and Aldo, who meet by chance at the Art Institute. Prior to meeting, he is a doctoral student who manages his destructive thoughts with compulsive calculations about time travel. She is a bipolar counterfeit artist undergoing court-ordered psychotherapy. And then they fall in love. But like all good romance books, their love story is complicated and we're taken on the ride. Are we ever? Today I am joined by Sahani Gunatilika and Michelle Andrews. Yo, yo, yo. (laughs) How are we? We are good. As with all book club episodes, we are nervous. (laughs) Good. I'm a bit worried because it's two in a row now. (laughs) Two in a row that we mightn't have. Loved. Loved. All right. Bit of a spoiler alert. Let's start where we always start with the author in question. Olivia Blake Sahani has quite the interesting backstory. Yeah. So I read the acknowledgement section of the book. And she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which I thought was quite interesting. And she talks about her complicated relationship with medication and with her husband. Yes. And I didn't read the acknowledgements till the end, which is like what most people do. Well, I think that's (laughs) an appropriate thing to do. I think that's pretty standard. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is a real love story. Mm. And that's like, I just wasn't expecting that. I thought this was sort of fictional. I think it it helps with context, especially when you're talking about something as complex as bipolar and what that means regarding medication and things like that. It is nice to know that the author has real lived experience with this kind of thing and can really offer that insight. Yeah, agree. Mm. Also, we should say... Olivie is not Olivie's IRL name. No. In real life, Olivie's name is Alexine Farrell Folmeth. She is a 35-year-old from San Fran. She actually also came to writing later in life. She actually has a master's degree in urban planning and was doing that until her mid-20s when she started self-publishing. I found this part of Olive. I will call her Olivie, right? Because that's how she wants to be I, referred in the absolutely. lit world. I found this part of Olivie's story fascinating she is known most commonly for the atlas series there are two books in that series already out in the world a third is expected in 2024 it's a new york times best-selling fantasy romance series she first published it on kindle all on her own it became massive on book talk and led to a seven-way bidding war between publishing houses for the rights it is doing so well that amazon studios has picked it up to adapt it into a television series it's a really interesting backstory and i love these backstories right because she had self-published six books six novels before a publisher had picked her up her book sales started spiking years after she'd published them thanks to as you say mish bookstagram and tiktok now it was only two months after she gave birth to a baby that she signed a contract with an american publisher Mm. which is just a lot to happen at once i think for me it also feels relevant as a reader that olivia blake started out writing fan fiction she actually curated her pen name through a name generator to anonymously write fanfic, Mm. which does make sense to me because I would say when I read this book, Michelle, I feel like we'd mentioned to each other over text, it, it felt a little bit like fan fiction. Mm, it did. Did you get, did you get that sense <laughs> Well, that's why I thought it was fictional. I was like, this doesn't happen in real life, a lot of it. Yeah. Wait, when you say that, you mean you felt the dynamic of love couldn't exist in real life, but now that you've learned it does, or at least yes. it's been inspired by it. it. Just, a lot of it felt really... 
Like fake. Like, yeah, yes. like teenage fake. I, I agree with I that. agree. I, when I was describing this book to Annabelle, before I knew Olivia Blake's backstory, I said to her, it reads like a fan fiction book. Yes. And so I feel validated that that's kind of accurate. Well, yeah, and that Olivia Blake also writes fantasy because I think mm. there was something fantastical about this. Mm. I can't quite pin down what it was. But I'm also, as a reader from the outset, not drawn to fan fiction nor am I drawn to fantasy. Mm. Probably would have been helpful for me to know that before diving <laughs> yeah. right in. Let's jump straight into maybe the characters, no. right? Because <laughs> we've got not actually that many characters in this book. Very, very few. <laughs> very few characters. Shall we start with Reagan Sahani? Yeah. Reagan, like both of them, were very, she was just very unlikable. Yeah. But what I found really interesting was that Olivia is writing about herself and she's writing about herself in an unlikable way. Well, are we sure she's ever, I mean, like, I know as really? you say at the end that. Olivia says, I have experience with bipolar and I do have experience going off medication and pursuing creative interests instead. But is it too much of a stretch for us to say she's basing this entire character off herself? I think we need to be careful with that. I think we really do. I think authors, so much of the craft is using inspiration, but creating, Mm. yeah, sure, a partially influenced story, but it is still a new story and a fictional story and a part of their creativity. I think it would be a mistake for us to say this is purely a recreation or a carbon copy of the author's own life. I think we tend to do that with female authors in particular Mm. when we don't necessarily do that for men. But I appreciate maybe what your point is as well in that like when you're writing a character that is complicated like this, people are probably going to draw parallels. Yeah. And that is still a semi-courageous thing to do. Yeah, like she'd be putting herself in such a vulnerable position doing that. But I think she's writing this in the hopes that people will love the character anyway. Yeah. Like see past her flaws, especially when you get an insight into her internal monologue. Mm. Correct. You're like, okay, I can see why she is the way that she is. But I still, like, I still didn't really like her. Reagan's a complicated one, isn't she? Because I think, of course... We've got someone who's battling some really intense levels of of mental illness. And I think it is, it's not every day that you read depictions of stuff like this, particularly, as I said at the top, from someone with lived experience. That said, maybe my complication with Reagan isn't even to do with whether I liked her or whether I didn't like her. It's just I felt confused by so much of the story around her. Mm. Like I wanted to know and understand more of this backstory. Like we talked about this counterfeit stuff for mm. two seconds but I feel like it was meant to be like a central context point a hundred and it's like what do, we, what do we even mean what are we talking about I'm so confused and I think that actually touches on one of I know we're not talking about strengths and weaknesses now but I, we'll w- be, I want to touch on it here we'll be going all over the place it's all a big circle or as would be discussed in this book five times <laughs> is it a cycle or a circle or a cycle or a fucking bee Who or knows? a hexagon <laughs> or a hexagon now I think that was a weakness particularly when exploring Reagan's character it was so repetitive and very rarely did I feel like we unearthed anything new at all. I found that Reagan was unlikable and I don't need to like a character to like a book, but I did not like this woman or find many redeeming features in her at all. She struck me as someone who did use people, who was self-interested, who behaved very recklessly and selfishly. And I understand that, yes, at least part of that, maybe most of that would be because of her bipolar disorder. 
But I don't think all of it no, is because no. of her bipolar disorder. Like, I could not believe that Reagan brought Eldo to her parents' anniversary away for the <sighs> night and tried to sleep with him when she had a boyfriend called Mark. And I think the book tried to tell me that Mark was the evil person in the relationship mm. or the bad guy in the relationship. And I've got to say, I think they were both bad. I think Mark was flawed for sure. You couldn't read this book no. and walk away and think Mark was a decent guy. But Reagan was just as bad, if not worse. And it was shocking to me that she would intentionally try to get a rise out of Mark. Mark would give her that response. And then I was supposed to see Mark as the bad dude. Yeah, I actually really agree with that. Yeah. I think Mark is not that bad at Same. all. Same. Like there's a part where Aldo calls him a drone, like the bee drones. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> like leave him alone. He's I honestly don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. I like the bee stuff went over my head. I didn't like Mark and I didn't like Reagan. I didn't like either of them. And I, I think I wasn't outraged probably about the anniversary stuff because I just didn't give a fuck about their relationship. You I didn't care. I did not care if she was cheating on him, if she wasn't. They didn't seem healthy. Well, he, he didn't did, seem to care. So. He didn't seem to care. I, he also did seem a bit toxic to me, but she also seemed a bit toxic in that dynamic. Yeah. Truthfully, all the relationships, the romantic ones in this book, felt toxic. Yeah. But when it came to Mark and Reagan, I was like, who cares? <laughs> She's taking him to the anniversary trip. And I, I feel that's not what I was meant to feel. The other thing about Reagan, I'm interested in this quote that she said towards the end of the book when Aldo and her were sort of breaking up and he was like annoyed, I think. I mean, this is going to be so embarrassing if I've misinterpreted half the book because I ended up <laughs> skimming sentences because I hated it. Um, <laughs> but I think they broke up because she was like still copying stuff and still yeah, copying painting. Yeah, but it was the painting she'd copied before they got together. It was the painting in her dad's yes. office before they even dated. He's like, you didn't change. It's like, this was before you I, were together. It was confusing. Anyway, so he says that to her, you haven't changed. And she says, it seems like you have conditions for being with me. And I thought, what an unhealthy message to send out to people that you can't have conditions for a romantic mm. relationship, that you shouldn't have conditions, that you shouldn't have expectations yep. and boundaries. That maybe you're not a criminal. <laughs> yeah, it's like I found that so interesting, her insight into relationships that Reagan was like, you should have absolutely zero conditions for wanting to be with mm. me. It was a completely immature depiction of love. Because yes. love... That didn't love feel is not mature at all, which is why it felt like YA. Yeah. Mm. Unconditional love to me it's not is an immature premise. And yeah. I don't think it's actually rooted in a lot of adults' realities. Love is conditional on respecting each other, being truthful with each other, building a bond together and a foundation together. As if I'm going to, sorry, I know it's not about me, but I'll make it about me. <laughs> As if I'm going to go through my life expecting that I can behave any fucking way I want and my husband just sticks by me because you're supposed to love me without conditions. What, I'm just allowed to go cheat and go commit crime and do whatever I want? I get, mm. like, just to counter my own point, I get, like, 5% of it in a sense that maybe someone like Reagan has felt like there are always conditions that people have with her around her mental illness. And that makes sense to me 5% of the time where she's like, no one can handle this. Mm. But I think what a weird message to send. It's a trope though, in fan fiction. Mm. Like the whole, like, you can't handle me at my worst. So oh. you shouldn't be with me. <laughs> is that, is that just, like Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe? Yes, you're right. It's all over everything though. You're absolutely right, so honey. All right, let's talk about Aldo then. How did you find him? <laughs> well, you know how we talked about how we didn't dive into the counterfeit thing? Mm. We didn't dive into the addiction thing either. <laughs> no. 
we did not. <laughs> Amen, Sahani. We did it even a little bit. We got like one sentence of it. Yeah, so like for that reason, I didn't find his character to be believable or his backstory to be believable. He was a shell. Yeah. He wasn't a fully fleshed out character. He was just a name on a page with like Aldo had addiction. To what? Why? Mm. How long for? What did the dark days look like? We got none of it. Yeah. And that could be because she doesn't have a background in that. But I'm also like, you should have like fleshed that out a bit more. I know we said, oh, it's good that she had a background in mental illness and can give us that insight. And we don't know one way or other whether she has experience with addiction or not. But even if she doesn't, I still feel like it's your job to do the research, to flesh it out. Mm. And I think from my perspective, the overdose, I guess, felt unbelievable to me and Mm. and I don't want it to sound like if you struggle with addiction you need to present x y and z things for me to believe it that's Mm. not at all what I'm saying because we know it doesn't work like that I guess I mean I I didn't feel it was well told it felt skimmed over and it felt like there was a real disconnect between the story we were told about who Aldo was and the story we were told about who he is now and I was like Mm. I can't see these two people being the same does that Mm. make sense it struck me as a throwaway line that might have been added a couple of times in like post editing to be like oh Aldo's not quite gritty enough or doesn't have enough of a backstory I'm gonna throw this in that one day he woke up in hospital and his dad said never again and he said okay cool like never again Mm. it just felt so flippant as a story arc that was so unexplored I think Aldo in fact every character in this book I struggled to visualize, which is always a bad sign. If I can't visualize I a character, see any of them. couldn't see anything or anyone. I also felt like he was slippery. Like I just, he like slipped through my fingers. Like what? He was this guy constantly in a leather jacket that was a university mm. teacher. I couldn't that, even picture the hair that was mentioned a million no, times. I could. Just, I can actually picture it. Right. But I think I was imagining stereotypes though. I was imagining like a manic pixie girl and like <laughs> the very like oh, rigid kind of guy. I was not imagining pixie girl. Really? I was imagining a Florence from Florence and the Machine. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know what, maybe I wasn't imagining anything. I couldn't see But Reagan. again, I think it's because it's a trope. I think yeah. I've read other storylines like this and I'm like, okay, these are the characters that I'm visualising. Yeah, mm. how interesting. I think with Aldo as well, like, I quite liked him as a character, if I would go that far. I didn't <laughs> feel that much for him, but I liked him more than Reagan. And there weren't many characters in this book and I normally adore that. I love not having many characters. We've spoken so many times on the podcast before about what it's like when there are too many characters to memorise. But I didn't love or care enough about the characters I was given so I needed a few more (laughs) to the point where I was like, Maso? <laughs> I wrote down Maso as my favourite yeah. character. I love him He so He was barely in it, Sahani. Like, I loved him too. But we got, like, a couple of things from Maso. I think, in fact, one of my favourite exchanges in this entire book was when Maso told Eldo, Same. you shouldn't be with Reagan. She's, for you, what your mother was for me. And that's bad. That was my favourite interaction. But yeah. went for about a third of a page and then it was done. And then Maso was really not involved anymore. But also then even Masso, I'm saying he's my favourite character. The phone calls they'd have every morning sounded completely fake. What do you mean, where are we now, Does anyone Ronaldo? understand that? I think it's the time travel thing. Yes. I think it's his like, yeah, dad no, like, get, trying to make him. Am I stupid? <laughs> I didn't understand. I, I loved the loving father who had like one thing that he could do every day to feel like he was looking after his son. I could see that. I didn't understand the time travel thing. <laughs> 
all white bees were at all related to it. But I don't think he understood that either. I think he was trying to meet him halfway. Like Maso yeah. was just pretending to go yes. along. You know what? I think I've just figured it out as we're talking about it. What I found slippery and unbelievable about Aldo is that I don't see a very logical mathematician who's obsessed with the numbers, obsessed with the science of mathematics, being so invested in this imaginary world of other places and time travel. I can imagine him theoretically being like, here's the maths with time. But I can't imagine him getting on a phone call every morning and being like, and now we're in ancient Egypt and we're looking... But wasn't he just trying to like placate his dad? I didn't think he ever necessarily believed that or was passionate about it. I thought he just thought it was a means to an end. (laughs) I don't know what I read. (laughs) I don't know what I read. This is the thing. I was almost embarrassed about doing this episode because I was like, I don't care enough about it to know that it's gone into my brain. (laughs) So I'm sure I've missed things. The weird thing though that we haven't touched upon, which I think we should get out of the way now as soon as possible is guys, we clearly didn't love this book. But if you look on Goodreads, mm. this book is so popular. So many people That's why have we loved chose this it. book so hard. There's literally reviews that have thousands of upvotes on Goodreads saying they saw God while reading this book. <laughs> all injected into my veins. Injected into my saying. veins. Best book I've ever read. Those are all the most popular comments on this book on Goodreads. We are the anomaly. We are yes. the absolute minority. And it has to be one of the most divisive books we've covered on this book club. Because I had people DMing me to my Instagram saying they either fucking loved it, best book I've ever read, or worst book I've ever read. There was hardly anything in between. I agree with that. We are going to talk about strengths and weaknesses, but that will be after the break. We're back from break and we are talking strengths and weaknesses. I might kick us off. (laughs) Do you have have a strength? Let's start with the positive. Do you have a strength? I took lots of photos of this book and there was one photo that I took where I thought, that's quite moving. Okay. And it was when Aldo was talking to Reagan about what he was like, I think, before they'd met about his depression. And he said, sometimes I feel like I'm waiting for something that will never happen. Zara, that was the strength I wrote down. It was the passage. He was speaking all about what it's like to live because you feel like you have to. You wake up because that's what people Mm. do. You have interactions because that's what people do. Is it okay if I actually read the full passage? Please. It's on page 194. Sometimes I feel like I'm just waiting for something that will never happen. Like I'm just existing from day to day, but will never really matter. I get up in the morning because I have to, because I have to do something or I'm just wasting space. Because if I don't answer the phone, my dad will be alone. But it's an effort. It takes work. I have to tell myself every day, get up. Get up, do this, move like this, talk to people, be normal, try to be social, be nice, be patient. On the inside, I just feel like, I don't know, nothing. Like I'm just an algorithm that someone put in place. I think that is easily the best part of the book for me. Stunning. That, yeah. I was like, that's real. Like, yeah. that's one of the only things I read where I was like, that is real. And you've got to the root, I think, of what a lot of people feel. That feels mm. like how depression is. 100%. Yeah. And mm. I think anyone who either knows someone or has felt that is like, yes, you've, you've summed that up in a way that feels true mm. and real. Mm. That was my strength. So, honey, what are yours? <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like you guys are going to disagree. <laughs> That's great. Let's do um, it. I really liked parts one to three and four to six is where she lost me. Okay. Because for people who maybe haven't read this but love listening to book club, it is in different parts and that they're all named like... 
variables. Yeah. Var- yeah. Before's, conversations, and keys were the first few parts. It's so interesting to me that you actually liked the kind of segmentation <laughs> and you noticed that. It. I kept flicking through being like, why do I need a part? Like, it's not Shakespeare. They all, yeah, they all blurred into the same see i really liked the first three okay because i think it really built on the intimacy and connection between the two characters yeah it was very like have you seen season two of bridgerton yes <laughs> so you know how there was like no sex in that season but you could really feel the chemistry and the electricity between them oh, yeah i felt like that was really obvious particularly in the church scene Yes, Sahani, I had that down as my strength as well. Yes, I really loved it. I loved the hand touching and I loved the... I thought it was really like well-written, that part. And then I also really liked the six conversations. Like, oh, we need to have six conversations to see each other again. Yeah, okay. And I really, I thought it was quite sweet when they started making excuses. Like, oh, this one doesn't count. Like, yeah. And like, it was just cute. But then... It lost me. <laughs> okay, look, I agree with you. My other dot point, I had three down for strengths. We've already covered two. I agree. The touching of each other's hands in the church and the exploration of intimacy through hand holding and touching, I thought was really good. My other last strength we haven't touched upon is I did find in parts Reagan's internal dialogue about taking her pills mm. and her mother's voice and sexual fulfillment from men and how that all interlaced together and it was a big stream of consciousness and it was clearly a mind that was under the influence of bipolar disorder. The way that was blended was really powerful and impressive. I have no experience with bipolar disorder. I have experience with panic attacks and I did find some similarities between that and a panic attack and Mm. how I would kind of blend all these really chaotic, harmful thoughts together. And I thought that was really well done. I had that written down too. Is it time for weaknesses? Well, I'm ready. Sarah's like, like, how long you got? No, no. I I mean, this is the thing. As we said at the top, I know some people really love this book. This book was not for me. It was not for me at all. I think I struggled with the writing, to be honest. Like, for example, during the sex scene. Oh, my God. I hated all of the sex scenes. What one? There were so many. (laughs) Well, the first sex scene. There was a line where Reagan was graciously fumbling for Mm, Aldo and I get distracted when I see stuff like that. It's an oxymoron. Because Mm. I don't know what it means and it pulls me out of the scene to try and picture how she might be fumbling graciously. (laughs) And then I spend too much time thinking about it and I'm out of the story. (laughs) Do you want to try right now? How would you graciously fumble? (laughs) That's like It doesn't make any sense. Fumbling by definition is ungracious. It's awkward. Yeah, You awkwardly fumble. You cannot graciously fumble. That's I think it's stuff. There was a few things like that that pulled me out of the story. There were a lot of those oxymorons. Yeah, like, I agree. This was this way, but it was also this way. Other lines felt <laughs> either out of character for the story or out of character for the writing. Ooh. For example, when Mark and Reagan bumped into each other, suddenly we've got this line which is like, he made a fucking coke line straight toward her. And I was <laughs> like, what? what? He made a... F- I was like, did he literally like kind of line out cocaine no, in like, her direction my understanding was he just made a beeline for yeah. it well we couldn't use the word beeline. Beeline. <laughs> so he made a fucking coke line and it just felt like jarring in the context of what mm. i was reading it also just doesn't make sense i get that it's trying to be edgy and gritty just it doesn't say make he sense. made it he, he walked toward her but i actually think that might be in her head i think she gets anxious if she sees because it was she saw mark like yeah. unexpectedly i think she was trying to communicate but where's but the coke come from the coke line sure. he makes a coke like it's, a, I think it's, it's a, supposed to be intense. It, well, uh, yes, I, okay. I guess. <laughs> um, and then I think there was just the style of, you know, she was lying. And then he goes, you're lying. <laughs> I was just like, 
Uh, yeah, anyway. it's giving it's giving YA that stuff. It was. Yeah. What about you? Okay, <laughs> I've still got a where to go. We've uh, got some stuff to bounce. I feel like if I had read this ten years ago, I might have loved it. I think at nineteen, I might have loved this. Mm. It did feel very young to me. A lot of the conversations and the dialogue felt like a lifetime movie. It felt like a caricature of what grown-up relationships look and sound and feel like. For example, the intro chat on page 35 about him just happening to have this instinct that Charlotte could not possibly be the name that she goes by. Oh, yeah. He said, what's your last name? She hadn't intended to answer any personal questions, but as of the last two minutes, he had established a talent for catching her off guard. <laughs> Sorry. Reagan. No. Ah. He snapped his fingers. <laughs> that's it. That's your name. Are you naming me? No, but that's the name you use, he said. The way you use it, it's very comfortable. You can see the variables fitting together. You can? Yes, he said, and it wasn't a boast. Sorry. Like, <laughs> I know. apologies. What do you mean? Ah, that's it. That's just not fucking happening. This is straight out of Twilight, I think, sometimes. Oh, my it God, felt, yes. It felt a lot like how reading Twilight felt. And in yeah. that sense, it felt incredibly serious. I think this book took itself more seriously and its characters more seriously than any book I've read in my life. There yeah. was no humor, no lightness. There was nothing mm. irreverent. It was heavy and deep and serious the entire time, which came off to me as pretension in mm. parts for sure. The characters treated themselves and the author treated the characters as if their bond was completely unique to the universe. And I don't, that was never tongue in cheek. I didn't even think it was a good mm. bond. It was never tongue in cheek. Even this part, sorry, I know I'm talking for a <laughs> while, but I just want to get it out. He had never kept much from his father and Reagan was no secret. What is she? Your girlfriend? Yes, he supposed oh. so, though it seemed a silly word for her. <laughs> well, what was she then? She's, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? How can you not know? No, I know. I just don't think the word exists. Mm, well, then tell me. What time are we in, Ronaldo? Lost, Dad. Lost. I no longer, Zara's melting under the table. <laughs> I no longer understand what time is, how it works, what it does. I give up. Ah, Masso said. Okay, I see what she is. What does that mean, Dad? What is she? She's your, you know, your provocateur. She's your disturbance. What? She's your girlfriend. <laughs> She's not your disturbance. You can just, oh, these people would hate me in real life and I would hate them. <laughs> See, I wish I like thought about it in a YA way before because mm. I thought I was too dumb for this book. <laughs> I also thought I was too dumb for passengers. I was like, I don't know yeah, what you're talking about. I was like, is this book too, like, I'm putting this in inverted commas, but like academic for me? No. Because like when they were talking about bees and hexagons and like <laughs> perfect circles, even like the art musings, like I yeah. was like, I don't understand this. And I have like a background in science. I love math. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get it. But I don't think I've ever talked about math in such a wanky way, like in a philosophical way. So I found it really hard. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm not picking up on symbolism because of it. Mm. And I'm not picking up on all these because I'm skimming through it. And because I, mean, I don't maybe get we it. are dumb. <laughs> Maybe all three of us are stupid. I mean, yeah, sure. I think we've read more academic books in this podcast and gotten the gist. I think part of being a, a really great author is being able to explain complicated things simply. Yeah. That is such mm. a talent of writing. 
Being able to explain simple things in a really complex way is not great writing to me. Yeah, I mean, there was another passage I want to read to you because I think it gets the heart of my main criticism of this book, which is I just didn't believe any of this to be real because even passages on stuff that were completely inane didn't feel true. This is a passage on page 106 and it's just about taking a drag of a cigarette. (laughs) Why did you lean in for that? Like you're about to like play a song for us. (laughs) I sound like a radio DJ. A little something like this. (laughs) All righty. He took another long drag, letting it out. They don't tell you how close smoking is to setting yourself on fire. Some days he enjoyed the act of it more than the outcome. The sense that he could burn something, trap the smouldering of ash inside his chest and then breathe it out like some sort of omnipotent god. Fires, floods, (laughs) plagues and locusts. He wondered whether Reagan had given it any thought and considered calling again to ask her, then stopped himself. How did we get from (laughs) smoking to floods and plagues? I think it was just stuff like that where it's like we can be a bit more self-deprecating about life, which is Mm. I just had a smoke of a cigarette and it doesn't need to be, in my mind anyway, and in my life it doesn't need to be that deep. The other thing I did struggle with a little bit was the structure. Like it changed so Mm. much. First we had narrators, then we had... The narrators, sorry. The The narrator, a beloved kindergarten teacher. (laughs) What? What? I I felt too stupid for that, to be honest. And that was only at the start. Yes. And then right at the end. And then then there were sections with quotation marks and then there were sections with just like big slabs of text when they were both sort of in third and second person at the same time yeah there was like a sally rooney-esque parts of the book where people were talking but quotation marks weren't used but we Mm. were using quotation marks in the first 100 pages i just struggled and i think maybe Mm. if i was more invested in the characters i wouldn't have minded i felt like it worked sometimes but a lot of the time it didn't work for me but there was a monologue right after it was when aldo was invited back to meet her family and then there was a monologue where her mom is sort of talking at her. There was no quotation marks. I was so confused. I was like, is mm. this coming from the mom? Well, or is this in the stream head? of consciousness you were talking about before? Um, yes. Well, so I agree with you, Sahani. In some points, I'd find it confusing. Is this something the mum had actually said, said in real life? Or but, is this something you're imagining the mum saying? Yeah, but then I read the audiobook. Oh. Or like listened to it. And it was done so well. Okay, It was like two narrators saying it at once. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. This is in her head. And I was like, this is done so well, but it only worked for me sometimes. So maybe like if you're wired that way and can understand what she's trying to get at, Mm. this would be really good. Mm. But like a lot of the time I just didn't pick up on it and I didn't understand it. Yeah. Can I squeeze in one more weakness? Yes, of course. It's a specific weakness, but I hope we're all in agreement. The key stuff. Well, how is it a breakup because he wanted a key to your art? Sorry, can I read it? Page 133. Any key, he asked. Any key, she said, in the kind of voice deliberately intended to make him shiver. I want, he began, his voice fighting its way through the dryness in his throat as she pulled away a fraction of a degree, only enough so that if he wanted her mouth, if he wanted to match it with his, he could do it. He could find out what secrets she kept in her kiss. Yes, A thrill of opposition burst through the haze of her closeness. Your art, he said, and felt her stiffen. What? I want to see your art. Aldo, you're kidding me. Like, that is so overly earnest and annoying to me. I understand some people love it. Clearly, I am the anomaly. I am wrong based on the Goodreads reviews. Mm. Clearly, I'm an idiot. 
if Mitch said that to me, I would burst out <laughs> laughing. Like this, nothing well, so is this serious. Why is it so offensive? Mm. Why did it have to be a big argument? I don't want to let you into my arse. This is like Twilight. It's Twilight. Yeah. It, and it I would have loved it if I read it at 15. Yeah. I mean, I from my perspective, I didn't feel like there was plot development or character development. So I felt like I was reading the same page over and over and over again mm. for 260 pages. And I think I didn't have any understanding or interest in hexagons or bees, mm. which if you also don't have interest in hexagons or beads, you might struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any other comments about strengths and weaknesses? No. All right, then we've got to rate this book, team. <laughs> Do you want to go first? I really want you to go no, first. No, no, I'm hosting, so I go last. She calls the shots. Michelle Andrews, give me a rating. Okay, look, I read it quite easily. I read it in a few days. I didn't check the page number that many times. I felt like it. the pacing was okay. The writing was nonsensical in parts and extremely earnest in others. Oh, I've got to remind people before I give this rating, I did give a five in January. So I do... <laughs> <laughs> I do... You like, have it in you. I do like some books. <laughs> Last month, I think I gave a one or a one and a half. And this month, unfortunately, it's going to be the same, same. 1.5. I'm shocked. Why? What really? do you think? Sahani. It's the same as Thursday Murder Club. I'm just shocked. Well, I didn't like either. For <laughs> yeah, different fair. reasons, though. For different I reasons. Tell you what, next month's got to be better. <laughs> Sahani. <laughs> I think I was right down in the middle when I read the first half of the book. Yes. Because I could understand some parts and I really liked the intimacy, but then it really, really lost me mm. in the second half. I was skimming through it. It I, happens. <laughs> <laughs> I was checking the page numbers. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and I was hating it. So I'm gonna have to give it a two. Okay. I <laughs> I have never struggled with a book for book club more than I have with this one. And we've read a lot. We've read <laughs> so many books for book club. I had to give myself a quota of how many pages I had to read a day mm. over the course of two weeks to get this done. It was about 20 to 30 pages. Let me tell <laughs> <A> soldier. <laughs> Let me tell you. I hated reading the 20 to 30 pages. I mm. couldn't do it. And and as I say, Olivia Blake has clearly done some amazing other work. This just simply was not for me. So with that in mind, I have to give it a one. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> I'm really sorry. You know what, though? I am sorry. I do feel bad, but I can't lie. The book clubbers know as well by now. We'll be fucking honest with you. We're going to mm. tell you what we actually think. And I think when we give books a one, it is not to say the book is bad. It's to say we are incompatible yeah. with the book. It's I not yes. for us. love this book yeah. so hard it's and they're not, compatible. It's not for me. Yeah. We're not a love match with this book. No. We're, we have different love languages. Mm. Mine is a little bit of humor every yeah. now and then. Yes, <laughs> I agree with that. Guys, that is all we've got time for for this month's installment. Oh, She's sweating. <laughs> it has been a dramatic few months of the book club. We need a good book next. We will be reading Vladimir by Julia May Jones. We've heard a, a lot of people talk about this book. I had dinner with a girlfriend the other week and she said, Zara, it's one of the best books I've read in a while. <gasps> Bianca, if you're listening, it better be at this point. <laughs> the pressure's on. Here is a passage from the blurb. Mish, will you take it away? Yeah, well, first of all, it's not about Vladimir Putin. Here it's is not. the blurb. And so we meet our deliciously incisive narrator. Oh, no, not another narrator. <laughs> a popular English professor whose husband, a charismatic husband at the same small liberal arts college, is under investigation for his inappropriate relationships with his former students. The couple have had a long mutual understanding when it comes to their extramarital pursuits, but with these new allegations, life has become far less comfortable for them both. 
And when our narrator becomes increasingly infatuated with Vladimir, a celebrated married young novelist who's just arrived on campus, their tinderbox world comes dangerously close to exploding. You've got it right. It's about an open marriage and I am that excited. Well, yeah, I am. I'm ready. Until then, guys, come and follow us on Instagram at The Shameless Book Club or we'll be on TikTok under the same name. That's all from us. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly, style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.